Welcome to the Summit Church Podcast. So faith for your family starts today. And today I want to talk to you around the subject, decisions and choices and all the right voices. Decisions and choices and all the right voices. This is all about faith for your family's future. So let's take our text today, Genesis chapter 3, verse 5 through 13 in the New Living Translation, and read it with me if you will. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. And one day he asked the woman, Did God really say you must not eat of the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. And God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you'll die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and then you'll be like God, knowing both good and evil. And the woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful. And its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give to her. So she took some of the fruit, and she ate it. And then she gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together, and they covered themselves. And when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He replied. I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. And Who told you you were naked? The Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? The man replied, It was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit, and I ate it. Then the Lord asked the woman, what have you done? The serpent deceived me, she replied. That's why I ate it. Father, today we ask you to take this word, this, this scripture, and we ask you to help us to understand it. We ask you to help us to, 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 to let it settle into our hearts and to our minds. And Father, seriously, just, just move in our lives. God, we need you so desperately right now in our families. Our young people need you. Our kids need you. Our teenagers need you. Our families need you, God. And, and, and Father, I'm just praying that we will not set you aside. I'm praying that we will not look the other way. I'm praying that we will look wholly into your face, wholly into your word, and say, God, whatever it is you have for me, and whatever it is you have for my family, whatever it is you have for the kingdom of God, as it pertains to us, whatever you have for our church, we submit, we surrender, we move forward in you. Father, please, God, help us, get a hold of us, God, and, 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 and instill passion in us, passion to pray, passion to seek your word, passion to seek your face, passion to love your house, God, in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. 
as I was studying for this message, I, I came across something that I thought was real funny. It was just a story that I read, and I want to tell it to you. Uh, there was this little girl, and she was just kind of wondering, how did everything happen? How did the world get here? How did the, you know, how did the planets get here? How did the people get here? And so she went to her dad, and she said, hey, dad, can you tell me how people got here? How did we as humans get here? And so her dad just goes into this creation story and he says, well, God, you know, God created all that exists. And, and as he was creating all that exists, the earth and the animals and the vegetation and the seas and the land, he created mankind and then mankind reproduced. And over years and years and years, now we have all the population of the earth and that's how we came here. And she said, oh, well, that's, that's great. That's interesting. And so later she went to her her mom. And she said, mom, how did we get here? How did humanity get here? And her mom said, well, it started off with a big boom. And then an amoeba over time evolved into an, uh, an, an, uh, 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 an ape. And then that ape over time evolved into humans. And that's how we all got here. And so the little girl went to her dad and she said, dad, I don't understand you. You told me that it was God that created everything and he created humans and that's how we all got here. And then I went to mom and mom said it was this evolution process. And she said, I, I don't understand. And, and dad said, well, let me just explain it to you. He said, he said, I was telling you about my side of the family and your mom was telling you about her side of the family. <laughs> I thought that was so funny. And it, it is, it's such a good way to start. You know, we as, as parents as people, as Christians, as believers. We have a responsibility to our family and to our Christianity and to our relationship with Jesus to know the Bible, to study the Word of God, to believe the truths that erupt so filled with faith and so in such revelation to us as we study the Word of God. And we have a responsibility to take that message that truth, those principles, and apply them and insert them and impart those into the lives of our children. And it is incumbent upon us not to just do it, but to do it with passion and do it with conviction. And in order for us to do that to our progeny, to our children, then we have to have that happening in our life as well, because if we don't, then if we don't, if we're not passionately following God, then what happens is there's this dissonance between what we say and what we do. And our kids can see it. And this generation coming up can see it. And they can they just say, I don't get why you're saying one thing and you're doing another. You know, what we're talking about today is decisions and choices and all the right voices. And if we're going to raise our children, raise our young people, if we're going to impact our young people and our children in this culture today and them come out powerful, Jesus-loving, church-loving, parent-loving children, then we're going to have to make some good decisions. We're going to have to follow that up with daily choices, and we're going to have to get around the right voices. Life is filled with decisions, and those decisions are informed by our knowledge, they're informed by our understanding, and hopefully they're informed by wisdom. However, that completely depends on our choices and right and wrong voices. 
I mean, look at Adam and Eve. Look at the situation in the garden. I mean, that is a great example of what I'm talking about, decisions and choices and all the right voices. God had told Adam and Eve, look, you can have everything in this garden. There's nothing you can't have, just one thing. There's only one thing that is mine, and it doesn't belong to you. It's kind of like he teaches us about the tithe. The tithe is mine. It doesn't belong to you. The, the, the Sabbath is mine. It doesn't belong to you. Use it as I've given you to use it. And, and as he teaches us these principles he he said to them in the garden there's one tree i don't want you to eat up you can have every other tree and so the serpent comes to eve and he says did god say isn't it interesting how that's exactly how our culture works it doesn't necessarily come and defy you but it'll ask you doubting cynical critical questions that cause you to question God instead of questioning your flesh or questioning the spirit of that or discerning what's where that's coming from instead of that we just go yeah that makes sense why shouldn't we be able to eat of the tree in the middle of the garden well there's a reason because God told you not to it's like you tell your kids sometimes you explain why but there are other times that things are dangerous and you just tell them if I say no it's no I know that's not very popular today to do that, but it is a necessary part of leading, guiding, and parenting. And so God told him, look, don't do this. And there's always a reason why God says don't touch or don't do. It's not because he's trying to steal anything from us. It's because he knows it's dangerous for us. He knows it's going to hurt us. He knows it's going to harm us. And, and you think it didn't harm us? When they had that simple act of disobedience and they eat, ate of that tree of knowledge of good and evil they lost all their innocence they lost every all of their innocence they now became unholy and unpure they couldn't stand in the presence of a holy god now they had to be covered now they had to be in fear now they had to run for cover why because god is holy and he knew if they partook in those things that are uh, uh, good and evil if they begin to understand that this would put them in that position and they at that moment happened to them exactly what god said would happen they begin to die can I tell you something God is trying to guide us and he's trying to direct us he's trying to guide us and direct us so that we can guide and direct our teenagers and our children in his ways and it's important for us to make right decisions that are based on his word and the principles of his word and the truths of his word and it's important that we make right choices on a daily basis so that our kids go in the direction that God has for them and then it's also important that we get around the right voices and that they get around the right voices this is a case that you see in the garden of Eden with Adam and Eve a case where they listened to the wrong voices they had already heard the voice of God and instead of just taking God's word for it, they listened to the voice of the enemy, the Satan. They listened to the voice of the devil, the voice of this world, the voice of the spirit of this age, the voice of the culture. And when they listened to that, it took them in a direction of making decisions and choices that caused their life to be destroyed. The structure of God's plan to carry his message from beginning to end is generational. It's the vehicle family is the vehicle that is supposed to carry the message of the truth of God's word down through the generations. You know, one of the problems we have right now, I'm just going to tell you, if you look around in our culture and you say, this is wrong and that is wrong, why is this happening? Why is that happening? I, I, sadly to say, inside the church and outside the church, we have a parenting problem. 
And it's a time for us to look at ourselves and go, what could I do that would be more biblical, more spiritual to lead my children and my kids in the direction of God instead of the direction of the world? The family is the first institution that ultimately becomes society. And the family is supposed to carry the image of God throughout the world. But sin marred that mission and the family became broken. God, throughout history, continued to choose families to carry his message. His family became known as the Jews or the nation of Israel, and they were supposed to carry the mission out. Leaders would lead and the people would rebel. Prophets would prophesy and the people would worship idols. Kings would reign. Some would be righteous. Others would be unrighteous. And the people would follow some of the time, and some of the time they would fail. Ultimately, that led to a need to send the Son of God, and he came to earth, and he formed a new family, a family that included more than Israel, a family that included people from every nation and every tongue, and he wrote his law on their heart, and he gave them a way to be free from sin, to be changed from the inside out, to be forgiven of their sin, and to be conformed again into the image of God. How? Because our elder brother, a member of our family, went to the cross and he died. He paid the penalty for our sin. And then he overcame death by resurrection. And and with the Holy Spirit, he empowers us today to be his family and to bring others into his family. The church of Jesus Christ is the family of God. It's the family. It's that interwoven, interconnected relationships that are close and intimate and cause us to become everything God has for us to be. The way it works is honestly by our decisions and choices and the voices we listen to. The goal is to turn our earthly family into a spiritual family and connect it with God's family for his righteous cause, his kingdom purpose. That's the whole point. That's what God is trying to do. God is trying to save the world, and he has chosen the vehicle of the church to save the world. And the church, the vehicle of the church, is just an organization and an organism that is made up of all the families of believers that have come together to be one big spiritual family that doesn't just cover this area. It covers the entire globe. And God wants to use that to change the world. We have decisions to make, and the question really is, will we decide to pursue life, or will we decide to pursue death? Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 26 through 27 says this in NLT, look today, I'm giving you the choice between a blessing and a curse. You'll be blessed if you obey the commands of the Lord, your God, that I'm giving you today. Listen, I think I'm speaking to you prophetically today. I've been praying over this. God, in our 21 days of prayer, God has been stirring me up. He's been pointing me in a direction, and now I'm bringing that to you. And I'm saying to you, mom and dad, I'm saying to you, grandma and grandpa, I'm saying to you, son and daughter, I'm saying to you, cousins and nieces and nephews, I'm saying to you, family of God, whether you're watching this uh, uh, online or whether you're watching this live right in church today, I'm challenging you. I'm bringing this to you and saying, I believe by the Holy Spirit that God is putting a choice in our hands. And he's saying, I want to take the church this direction. And I'm not talking about just the church at large. I'm talking about Summit Church. 
I believe he's saying, I want to take the church into this place of saving the world, of changing the city, of reaching the lost, of seeing people healed and delivered and set free. I'm giving you a choice for life. I'm giving you a choice to do that or to do what you want. And I'm challenging you believers, and I'm challenging myself today, that as God places a choice before us, that we will choose life. I love how Joshua put it to them. He said, choose life or death. I encourage you. Your choice is life or death. I encourage you to choose life. It's the best choice. Joshua chapter 24, verse 15 in the New King James, it says this, and if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you'll serve whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He's saying, he's saying this, you can serve those gods that you've served in the past, that have distracted you, that have held you back, that have, that have, that have gotten your attention. Or you can, you can serve the culture, he's saying, the, the, the Amorites where you live. You can serve the culture. You can worship the culture. Or you can be counter to the culture and you can say, no, God has called me and he's given us as a family the privilege to serve him. It's a privilege. I was praying the other morning and God just really began to stir in my heart we don't serve God because it's a drudgery. We serve him because it's a privilege. He let you be in his family. He lets us come and talk to him. We have an opportunity to speak to God and to listen to his word and to worship him and to serve him. This is a privilege. It's an honor. And the question we have to ask ourselves and our families today is, are we making wise decisions? Are we making good choices? And are we listening to the right voices? I'm just going to be honest. I, I, see, I have families come to me and parents come to me and they'll say things like, we really want to get on fire for the Lord. We really want to be more focused. We really want to be a bigger part of the church. We want to get involved. And then I see something else deep in the recesses of their mind as I look into their eyes, this unwillingness or inability to actually make the decision to do that to cut th other things out to move in the direction of God and away from the things of the world I'm encouraging you take that step deny yourself take up your cross follow Jesus I wanted to share some things with you that I think will grab your attention and maybe shock you a little bit uh, th there was some research done by an organization called One Hope and they did some research globally about teenagers and it revealed some interesting trends, and here are some of their findings. Now, what they wanted to do is they wanted to do this research and then ask about the faith journey. So they asked these teenagers from ages 13 to, uh, to, to 19 about faith, and it is interesting what came out. According to the UN Population Division, teenagers make up 11% of the population. 11% are teenagers in the world. The survey was conducted between 13 and 19-year-olds. Here's what it said. Over 52% of teens believe that all religions teach equally valid truths. And the Christians, people who identified as Christian, are just as likely to say that as non-believers are. Now, I want you to think about that for a minute. People who identify as Christians, these teenagers who have identified as Christians, literally they are just as likely to say, 52% of them are just as likely to say that all religions are valid, all religions are truthful, just as much as non-believers are going to say that. That should shock us. That should grab a hold of us Christians. 
43% of teens surveyed self-identified as Christian. Now listen to that. 23% were other religions. 34% were non-religious at all. 43% identified as Christians. But only 7% of those who identify as Christians display the beliefs and habits of a committed Christian. And what they considered a committed Christian is a very low bar. Here's what the bar was. Believe God exists and that they can have a personal relationship with God. Pray at least weekly. Read scripture on their own at least weekly. Believe Jesus is the Son of God. Believe that they can get forgiveness of sin and it's only possible through faith in Jesus Christ. They believe that the Bible is the Word of God. That is That, that to them is a huge commitment. That's a committed Christian. 40% of self-identified Christian teens say that they never read the Bible. Now listen to this though. Teens who hold to the core beliefs of Christianity, who regularly engage with the Bible, and who have a habit of prayer, report significantly lower rates of personal struggles than those who don't. Parents, just for that reason alone, we should be getting our kids in the house of the Lord every time the doors are open. We, we, should be, we should be getting our kids to get, sit down with our children and getting the Bible out and doing Bible studies together. We, we, we should be praying together with our children and training them and teaching them and nurturing them in the admonition of the Lord. You know, it does, it's not just when Jesus says that, he's saying don't just teach them about how to be a good person. He's saying teach them how to be a follower of Jesus. Only 28% of all teens will talk about their faith. Only 28% of all teens will talk about their faith. And only 32% of those who identify as Christian share their faith. Think about that. Teenagers who are, are, call themselves Christians do not feel like they should share their faith. We've got to wake up, church. The benefits, let's, let's, let's talk about the benefits for a minute of committed Christian for teens and, and how clear they are. They are much less likely, if you're a committed Christian, in other words, you do those things that they talked about, they are much less likely than other teens to say they've been depressed recently. 35% versus 46%. They are less than half as likely to report recent suicide attempts. 3% versus 7%. They are less likely to report they are confused about their gender identity. 6% versus 11%. They are around half as likely to say they are same-sex attracted compared to the global average of other teens, 12% versus 21%. Now, let me just make a disclosure here. When they say committed Christians, they're not talking about just born-again Christians. They're talking about anybody who gives mental assent or to the belief system of Christianity. So even if you're not born again, but you are following the tenets of Christianity, your life is much, much better. You might be saying, well, why would any of those uh, 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 committed Christians or those cr people who call themselves Christians be suffering from any of that? Well, because we live in a real fallen world, for one. And number two, they're not, all, they're not just talking about born-again Christians or Christians who believe in justification by faith and they've been changed from the inside. They're just talking about anyone who says, I'm a Christian. Committed Christians reported lower rates of at-risk behaviors and concerning mental health issues on nearly every single item that was measured. 
Surprisingly, teens across the globe are seeking spirituality. Now, this is something we may not understand. Young people are seeking spirituality. Regardless of their religious affiliation, two in three teens globally say that their faith, beliefs, and their spiritual journey are an important part of their identity. Notably, nearly half, 44% of teens uh, have no religious affiliation will still say this, that their spiritual life is a part of their life as a whole, an important part. I thought this was interesting. 41% of teens who do not already attend church say that they would come to church if they were invited. One in four say that they would not come. So only one in four say that they would not come. Three out of four say, if someone invites me to church, I'll go. More great news, teens have a positive view of the believers in their lives. I know that you don't hear that very often, and everybody says that teenagers hate Christians, and Christians are bad, and Christians do, but that's really, as they have surveyed these Christians all over, the, uh, these young people all over the world, that is not what they said. They said most Christians they've come in contact with are kind and loving. 71% of non-Christian teens said most Christians they know are kind and caring. However, in some Asian countries, a significant number of teens said they don't know any Christians at all. One in four teens globally report having had suicidal thoughts in the last three months. One in 14 say they actually attempted to take their own life. Are you paying attention yet? Girls are harder hit than boys when it comes to their mental health and are almost twice as likely to say they made a suicide attempt. Three in, teen, teen, uh, excuse me, three in 10 teens globally report having been sexually active in the past three months. The rate is even higher among Christians, one in three. I'm going to say that again. Three in ten teens globally report having been sexually active in the past three months. The rate is even higher among those who identify as Christian. I think we need to admit that we're not doing a great job on discipling kids about sexuality. One in five teens report feeling sexually attracted uh, someone of the same gender within the past three months. 66% of teens report to having high anxiety. 45% say they feel depressed. Now, this is not, they haven't been diagnosed with clinical depression. They're just saying they feel depressed. 63% feel lonely. Here's one that should scare you and make you pay attention. Pornography usage by age. 13 to 15-year-olds, 40% of them are engaged in using pornography. 16 to 17-year-olds, 45% are engaged. 18 to 19-year-olds, 52% are engaged of teenagers in the world. Christian teens were asked if they were engaged in pornography, and nominal Christian teens said 52% of them said that they've looked at uh, pornography recently. In the committed Christian ranks, 42%, only 10% less, said that they have looked at pornography recently. The committed Christian, or excuse me, the Christian teens need to be discipled in the area of sexuality. Pornography usage is a significant issue for the generation. And I can tell you, parents, listen to me. I can tell you that one of the reasons, probably the most predominant reason, is the complete accessibility of it 
to your kids, no matter what age they are, if they have a phone, if they have a, a laptop, if they have a computer, if they can get online, I guarantee you it is accessible to them. We've got to start paying attention. It's deforming the thinking of our young men. It's dis, 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 disposing or deposing our young women, making them think that they're not worth anything and objectifying their bodies. We've got to get to paying attention. And we say, well, what should we do? We should get more busy. No, we should not get more busy. What should we do? We should just do everything our kids want to do so they won't want all that stuff. No, because that won't stop it. What we need is to lead our families to Jesus. We need to lead our families to the church. We need to lead our families to the power and presence of God. We need to lead our kids to know that there is hope for tomorrow and there is joy to be had and there is peace to be had and there is love to be had and we have it in the context of our relationship with Jesus let us not put it on the back burner let us not say someone else will do it let us not say the youth pastor will take care of it or let us not say the pastor will take care of it let's take the responsibility as parents and say I'm going to lead my children to Jesus because all of this other stuff will not work the only thing that will change the situation is Jesus Teens are spending an average of seven hours and 23 minutes a day online. 94% of teens say that they watch videos every day. Teens who are heavy internet users, meaning 10 plus hours a day, are struggling more with their mental health. Hello, mom and dad. Did you hear that? Teens who are heavy internet users, 10 plus hours or more a day, are struggling with their mental health more than other kids. The majority of teens say social media contributes to their life satisfaction. But 64% of teens are using social media for an hour or less daily. Social media. There's a turn happening here. Because what's happening is three and five teens say social media helps them feel satisfied with our lives. However, more than 50% of teens say social media can make them feel sad, anxious, or depressed. We've got to get an understanding that there is a urgent problem, urgent issue, urgent situation in this generation. Remember, God's message is a generational message. His plan, his vehicle for that message going down through the generations or down through the centuries is by the influence of the family. We have to make good choices. The Bible says that our choices will protect us. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 11 in the New Living Translation says, Wise choices will watch over you. Understanding will keep you safe. Choices matter. We can choose to follow God or we can choose to follow ourselves. We can choose spiritual priorities or we can choose to follow the world's rat race mentality. We can choose to ignore the warning signs for our families and their future or we can pay, pay heed to the warnings that we see right in front of us and make the necessary changes and do something about it. It's not easy it's not easy. You're going to have to part with what, from what everybody else is doing. It's not easy. You're going to have to make some decisions to change the way you think and change the way you behave and change the way you do. But I'm telling you, we better get urgent and understand these changes have to be made. And they're either going to be made now and we save a generation or we're going to regret the fact that we didn't make the changes because we lost a generation. This is not a joke. 
And I know I may sound a little over-urgent to you today, but listen, these kids are growing up and they're not being discipled the way they should, starting in the home and even in the church. We have decided to make some changes about how we're going to teach the Bible and how we're going to make sure our young people and our children know the Word of God inside and out. That they have fun doing it, that it's exciting for them, but they know the Word, and they know how to talk to God, and they know how to allow the Holy Spirit to rule and reign in their lives. The greatest truth about choices is that they matter. What we choose matters. It makes a difference. It results in certain consequences. Wise choices watch over you. And understanding keeps you safe. You're wondering, how do I get my kids to be safe? How do I get my life to be safe? How do I get my family to be taken care of and protected? Wise choices and understanding. Because foolish choices bring complications and bring misunderstanding and bring danger to your front door. You know, Samson is a good example of this. Samson was a man who was called by God, but his whole life, he did exactly the opposite of what God asked him to do. And as a result, he grew up just giving into the culture. He grew up being what his flesh wanted him to do instead of what God wanted him to do. And at the end of his life, he did win a battle for the Lord, but it took him being completely humiliated, losing his vision, losing his purpose, and losing everything for him to submit himself to God and let God use him. Why should we let it go there for us? He was a man who knew this woman was trying to steal his strength, yet he continued to play the game with her. He continued to allow her to seduce him. He knew she was trying to destroy him, yet he wouldn't say no. He wouldn't reject her. He wouldn't walk away. He wouldn't change his behavior until she finally wore him down. And I really believe believers come on. I believe the last few years has worn us down. It's tried to steal our passion. It's tried to steal our purpose. It's got us off track and distracted. We got to turn our eyes towards Jesus. We got to turn our family's eyes towards Jesus. We got to call out on him and understand he is our answer. He is our solution. He is the power that will give us the ability to save a generation and bring them to the kingdom of God. All the right voices. Well, how do we do that? We listen to the right voices and we get our kids around the right voices. This is why your kids need to be in church, not just on their youth night. They need to be in church every time the doors are open. Why? Because they're hearing the right voices and not just the pastors and not just the teachers and not just the youth pastors, but they're hearing the voices of other believers. They're watching worship being modeled for them. They're watching prayer being modeled for them. They're watching people and seeing people who love each other and love the Lord. And this establishes in them an anchor to their soul so that when they're old, they won't depart from the ways of the Lord, but they'll raise their children in the ways of the Lord. Listen, don't look back when you're older and your kids are older and wish that your grandkids were in church. Come on, let's model for our kids the commitment to the house of the Lord, the commitment to the ways of the Lord, the commitment to the voice of the Lord. Proverbs 18.1 in the New Living Translation says this, Listen, as wisdom calls out, hear as understanding raises her voice. 
John chapter 10, verse 2 through 5 in the NLT says this, But the one who enters through the gate of the shepherd of the sheep, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice, and they come to him. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. Often he has gathered his own flock. He walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. I think there are a lot of voices in our world today. There are a lot of voices we're listening to. And I think we have to ask ourselves that question. What voices are we listening to? Parents, what voices are we listening to? Grandparents, what voices are we listening to? We better pivot, y'all. We better pivot right now. I'm telling you, this generation needs the gospel. This generation needs Jesus. This generation needs passionate believing parents, passionate believing grandparents. If they're going to make it through the onslaught of evil that's coming at them, they're going to have to have somebody in their corner, not cheering them on for physical things and for emotional things and even for educational things. Yes, all of those things are great and we want to support, but we need to lead our kids and cheer them on to be committed, passionate followers of Jesus Christ who are on their way to heaven and taking their generation with them. What voices exist in our world? Who is talking to us? Well, our own voice first. And sometimes our own voice is rebellious against the voice of the good shepherd. Sometimes we think we know where the best grass is. Sometimes we think we know better where we should be pasturing than, 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 than the good shepherd does. And so we go our own way and we do our own thing. Stop listening to your own voice over the voice of the Lord. This culture would tell you, hear yourself, listen to yourself, love yourself. Yourself is the most important. No, 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 no. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow your Jesus. We listen to the voice of popular opinion every time we look at social media. We listen to politically correct voices. And those politically correct voices are taking us into a dungeon of despair and sin and unrighteousness. And they're saying, this is the politically correct way to talk. And this is the appropriate way to talk. And we're being shut out of our own society and culture because we believe things that are based on truth, not relativism, and so on. Then there's the devil's voice. And believe me, he's speaking. And then there's spiritual mediocrity, the voice of spiritual mediocrity. Oh, it doesn't take all that. Oh, you don't need to be that committed. Oh, you, what's, what's up with all that? You can just, just, make, just make a decision, follow Christ, just say that prayer and everything will be fine. That's about as far as you need to go. You can't read the Bible and come out with a Christianity that's anything close to looking like that. We listen to the voices of anxiety and fear. It tells us to run and hide. It tells us to give up. It tells us to throw our hands in the air. It tells us to let go of our passion because we seem radical. We listen to, the, to those voices that cause us to be cynical. But then there are also godly voices that we need to listen to. The voice of our pastor, the voice of our Christian friends, the voice of people who we know follow God and are mature in the faith. And then most importantly, we listen to the Holy Spirit's voice who is speaking to us through his word and through prayer. And he's talking to our hearts and he's speaking to us. We must make a decision which voice we're going to listen to because listening to the wrong voices will lead to foolish choices and listening to the right voices will lead to wise choices. 
Listen, family matters. Family is the vehicle that God wants to use to carry his message and mission to the world. Summit Church, listen, we have every intention of taking ground for the kingdom of God. We have every intention to do that through each and every one of the families of this church. One of our values here is inspiring hope for families in today's culture. We have every intention of reaching the families of Canyon with the gospel of Christ. They, they don't need to be reached with other things. They don't need any other. Man, what don't we do or what don't we have here in Canyon? They need Jesus. Amen. We have every intention of leading families to Jesus and helping them to hear God's voice. We have every intention to lead the families of this house now and those who aren't even here yet to reach their whole family's spiritual potential, their whole friends uh, getting them saved, their neighbors coming to Christ. This is what we're headed for. This is what we're trying to achieve. Wouldn't it be awesome to see whole neighborhoods that you get out of your driveway to come to church and your whole neighborhood driving out with you? Wouldn't that be awesome to see revival break out in whole schools and whole neighborhoods and whole developments that we get so on fire for God as families that we begin to reach other families and they begin to have hope again. They begin to have harmony again. They begin to have love again. They find Jesus. They find find peace. They find joy. Come on. That's what God's called us to. That's what God wants for us. And that's what he wants to do through us because we belong to the family of God. And that family needs to grow and become the family that God intends for it to become. This city and its surrounding area needs the church to rise up like the amazing family that it is and carry the message to the isolated and to the lonely and to the hurting and to the confused people in this community and invite them into the family. You know you have friends whose marriage is about to break up. You know you have friends that are drinking so much that they can't even make it to work. You, you know you have friends that are so affected by sin that their life is falling apart. You know you have friends whose family is coming apart at the seams and they refuse to admit it, you know we need to get the gospel to them. And if that's your family today, listen to me. God has hope for you. He loves you. He wants your family to be filled with potential and love and grace and harmony and unity. And he wants your family to be a part of his family. The Bible says in Psalms chapter 68, verse 4 through 6, it says, sing to God, Sing praises to his name. Extol him who rides on the clouds by his name, Yah, and rejoice before him. A father of the fatherless, a defender of widows. These are family terms. It, it, it is God in his holy habitation. God sets the solitary in families. He brings out those who are bound into prosperity. But the rebellious dwell in a dry land. Listen. God, there are families out there that are isolated from the family of God and they need to be brought in to the family. So listen, leading our families in decisions and choices and to hear all the right voices, here's how we set the course for our family's future. Number one, we need to decide from vision, values, and valor. Know what you believe and believe what you know. Be courageous and bold about it. Teach Train and model it to your family. No exceptions and no excuses. This is what God has called us to do, parents. This is what God's called us to do, grandparents. 
He's called us to disciple our children and our grandchildren and our nephews and our nieces. He's called us to disciple other people. And the second thing is to set the course for your family is choose from heaven's objective and not earth's perspective. Isaiah 26.3 says, You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. And Colossians 3.2 says this, Set your mind on things above and not on things on the earth. Heaven's objective is to build the church, to build the family of God. And the third thing and last thing is this, listen. By seeking by studying, by serving, and not by playing it safe. When we go along to get along with our culture, when we give in to family peer pressure when, when, that exists in our world, when, when, when we give in to that need and feeling for comfort or safety or control, we are making a big, huge spiritual mistake. Let's take a risk. Let's take a chance and be different. Let's just decide, Summit Church, we're going to be different. The pandemic has affected, I talk to pastors all the time, and the pandemic has stolen so many believers' passion for God. I don't know how it happened. I don't know why it happened. But let's say, Summit Church, let's say, no, we're going to be different. We're not going to let this generation be lost. We're not going to let these kids continue to suffer the bondages of sin and the confusion of this degradation. But we're going to stand up for truth and we're going to start in our homes and we're going to preach and teach and pray until we know our generation is saved and nothing is going to take precedence over that because that, ladies and gentlemen, that Summit Church is what it's going to take. The devil is fighting his hardest for your generation. He's fighting his hardest to take your kids from the kingdom of God, to take their friends from the kingdom of God. He is trying to cause confusion and, and, and relativistic thinking so that no one knows what the truth is, so that no one can make a decision to follow the truth and follow Jesus. And I'm just challenging us. Let's take a risk. Let's take a chance to be different. Let's not play it safe. Let's inspire our families to be faith adventurers. Let's inspire our families to be people who are different, who are committed to seek, pursuing the presence of God, who are committed to study, pursuing the power and wisdom of God, who are committed to serving, pursuing the responsibility of the people of God to make a difference. Let's act as if we are citizens of heaven, ambassadors from the kingdom of God, pleading with people to join the family because this family there's hope, in this family there's love, in this family there's peace. Please, church, let's decide today. We're taking the risk. We're changing our ways. We're turning passionately towards God. And we are leading a generation to go with us. It's all about decisions and choices and hearing the right voices. Father, I'm desperate for you to move among us. Wake us up, Lord. Your word says in Romans chapter 13, it says it's time to wake up. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us cast off the work of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Father, let that be 
the sounding trumpet of Summit Church. Let that be the sound that erupts from this house that we're choosing today to be different. We're choosing today to lead great godly decisions, great godly daily choices, and listening and encountering and being the right voices. God, help us to save a generation. And in our attempts to do so, help us to save ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for being a part of the Summit Church podcast today. We pray that God used today's podcast to draw you closer to Him. You can stay in the know at Summit by following us on social media. Thank you again for being a part. This is the Summit Church podcast.